You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. It's the after laugh, after laugh. Welcome to the after laugh, after laugh, after laugh. <laughs> after laugh, man. <laughs> Go ahead and pull up a chair. Hey guys, welcome to the after laugh. I'm excited. I have my new friend. Jimmy Clabbits in the yard today. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, uh, you know, people, my, my friend Kelly was like, you have such a crush on Jimmy. I was like, shut up, Kelly. You're a very interesting guy. You're a very interesting guy. You, you, uh, you, uh, when I first walked in the set, you were very stone-faced. <laughs> <laughs> I, think I, I think me and Kelly walked in and your first reaction was, shh, keep it down. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly was like, what's up with that Jimmy guy? Why did he shush me? I'm like, I don't know what the fuck's going on, but I don't think we're wanted here. In the set, yeah. <laughs> which was became evident that we weren't, but it was fun. It was a it was an interesting thing. I met you and Dana and some cool people, but ultimately that show is is uh, it's it's going to be interesting. Dude, I mean, I you're like the golden nugget, I think from from that experience because I didn't even know that you were coming and you just showed up <laughs> i'm like hey guys we're here and they're like who the fuck are you <laughs> yeah. yeah i mean i knew they were trying to fit in an extra couple yeah. um you know to to sort of round out the workshop but that had been a point of contention the whole time where we didn't even know if we could afford the extras or if they would stay around if they didn't have any lines yeah so we, it was it was a big push to first have people and then take away people and yeah yeah yeah. And, so yeah. I, I want to get so you have a very fascinating life story, a very fascinating life. Sure, you're a very fascinating guy. So um, I and we can talk about all that, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So um, I um, you know when when I met you, I think the first time I was like, what's up with this guy? Because you guys, everyone was dancing in between takes, and you like went to like a full like almost a full splits. And I was like, how's this guy? He looks like a J. Crew model. How's he doing the full splits? And you were like twerking and shit. I was like, there's something going on with this guy. This is interesting. A grown man should not be able to do the full splits and twerk. What's happening? Um, and then I found out, I forget how I found out, but then that, that you were on a TV show that I feel like most people, anyone who's connected to pop culture would have heard about. Sure. Called Jigglos on Showtime. Yeah, which um, I think I saw an episode. And I, I knew I, I've been in Vegas a lot, so I knew people who were like tangentially connected to that show or like dated one of the Jigglos or something like that. Yeah, um, and and it was interesting to me because it was always something that I think in my fantasy I'd always like. What if I was a male Jiggle? I could, I could do that. That'd be cool. And I'd always had this idea that maybe I would do it when I was in my twenties in New York. I was like. You could kind of, you know, all you got to do is take women out to events, be smart, be able to talk about things, wear okay. a tuxedo, look good, take them to the thing, and maybe a bone them afterwards. So that's what my head was. was uh, and then I think I talked to someone about it, and they're like, well, you know, usually male escorts are used, maybe in New York, uh, for, for men. Like men like the male escorts. It was a different thing. I never sure. got into it. But um, so that's a fascinating thing. And I think that... On one level, it's every man's quiet fantasy to have a life like that. Mm-hmm. When I was a kid, I remember I saw American Gigolo with Richard Gere. And I was like, that seems so cool. He was, he was all ripped and doing pull-ups. That was his job, to be ripped and look hot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so um, how did you get involved in, in being a male Gigolo? Oh, I mean, it was really easy. I just had a, a 
like a modeling profile on Model Mayhem, and I got invited to it. You got but invited to uh, f- you to, got invited to do the show from that to work for an agency uh, called CowboysForAngels.com. And at the time, the agency was really young. It was 2009. There were like six guys on the site, and the owner had been an escort himself and his girlfriend in Miami had gotten him into it. And then he just realized that like, there's a market there. Sure. Right. And, uh, you know, over the years, I mean, you say the thing about the, the, the funny thing about <clears throat> the New York mentality that I recently heard from a, a female escort is that the thing that the, that they're calling the gay for pay, uh, escorting now is forced by, so it's like the couple forced by forced by. So the so the couple uh, will hire a, a a man and a woman escort, and then they, the 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 you know straight escort will will do forced by situations <laughs> with the man, and uh, and yeah, I guess that's the new thing. I mean, everybody knows about cuckolding, right? So yeah. So but, is that uh, does that mean that like you will fuck the man's wife in front of him, type of thing? Um, because well, when I hear cuckold, that's what I think of. Yeah, I mean that's that that has been around for a long time. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> I think it's one of the most watched fucking channels on YouPorn, probably. It, yeah, it might be. It definitely <laughs> might be. Um, so you, so you were a model. You were doing the modeling, and some said when they said, "Okay, this is an escorting service." Did you blanch? Where you're like, oh, "I'm fucking down." Had you been curious about it before? Well, I'd been a. I'd been a stripper before, so it didn't really seem like that much of a, you know. Where were you a stripper? That much of a stretch in up in Seattle uh, and then down in L.A. Here. Now, were you a stripper at like a, a Chippendales club or was no, it a private event? No, it was all private parties. So and, you'd show up mm-hmm. with like a cop uniform? Yep. Yeah, was I, it the cop uniform? Was that the, was that the go to? That was that was one of the <laughs> best. That was the one of the most asked so, for. So, walk, so, walk, so your yeah. first time doing this. Probably was pretty fucking crazy, right? Were you like nervous? Because I imagine the first time, like, okay, I'm wearing a cop uniform. Do you do the oh, whole like, hey guys, there's a noise complaint? Like, how how does that look? Oh, I was I was terrified actually at the at the time in 2007. I was um, I was a personal trainer and I had been shadowing a friend who was a stripper who wanted who was trying to get me in the business, but he didn't. You know, he wasn't sure that I was ready yet. You know, I needed to sort of tail him on more jobs um, and develop my routine. And then he calls me one day as I'm driving home from work, and he's like, hey, how big are your balls? And I was like, I don't know. I think they're average size. <laughs> and he goes, I need you to go to this Mexican restaurant up in Federal Way right now and do and do a show. And I'm like, what are you talking about? I don't have a G-string. I don't have any uniforms. I don't have any costumes. Yeah. I'm literally in my car. He goes, I don't care. Just go to this restaurant right now and, t- and take off your clothes if you want $150. Yeah. And I was like, all right, I'm turning around. Here we go. And, and I took this CD that was in my car. It was, you know, like some like pump up you know, music that I had and I used that CD as my playlist and I gave it to the DJ and it was some woman's birthday, I remember. And like, they were essentially asking me to strip on a stool and I had never stripped before. And so I just, just a restaurant, everyone's yeah. just sitting there eating and you just kind of walk in. Oh like, my God. There were hey. kids like, like <laughs> in the other section of the restaurant, right. That probably could have seen me, yeah. uh, if the crowd parted at any certain thing. Yeah. And so it was a really short set. It was like three songs. So maybe 12 minutes. 
Um, Did you have a plan? Or less. Were you just improvising? I had zero plan. <laughs> I just walked in and I sat her on the stool and I just grinded on her. And let me tell you, if there's if there is ever uh, a sexy way to take off actual pants, please let me know <laughs> how to do that because that was one of the most embarrassing things that's ever happened to me. And and then afterwards, um, I was able to find. Uh, my shirt, you know, um, and I think I was in some boxer briefs at the time. Like it ends, right? It ends. Do, you get, do you go fully naked? Do you no, go, no, no, no. Down to your boxers? No, just boxers or, or boxer. It was it was either briefs or boxer briefs, and um, and like I, I'm, I'm looking for my shit, right? <laughs> it's over. I'm looking for it. It's scattered around. My pants are nowhere to be found. <laughs> they are they are not near the bar. They're not far from the bar. I do not want to walk around this restaurant in my underwear. And so I start asking everybody, hey, I'm the stripper. Have you seen my pants? <laughs> Nobody fucking knew where they were. And I start panicking because my phone's in there. My oh, keys, shit. My keys are in there, right? I didn't have like a go bag. Yeah. I just walked in and handed a CD and started, started dancing. And, and like somebody had taken the the care of putting the pants behind the bar. Oh. Right? But not even the bartender really knew. So it took me another five minutes of just walking around and alerting every single person that I had no idea what I was that doing. That destroys there. a mystery, doesn't it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then afterwards I got invited to eat, you know, some of the some of the food and I just I was like, Yeah, I'm hungry. I can eat. I'm gonna sit down. And they're like, How long have you been doing this? Oh, a couple years. You know? But it was, but it was, yeah. was it fun though? Were you kind of like, oh, I could do this. This is like a fun. Little yeah, thing. I mean, that was definitely like the worst time. And then after that, I immediately, uh, you know, I went to this uh, my the, my mentor, my stripping mentor's seamstress, and I had some like thongs made. Yeah, uh, I had some costumes made, like some breakaway pants. Um, yeah, breakaway pants. That's how you take breakaway the pants. Breakaway pants are, are the absolute in, in stripping. That's that's Were they custom made like jeans that you like ripped off or are they like Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so the key is to buy them two inches bigger than mm-hmm. you, uh-huh. like wider, and then that way one inch of each seam is overlapped with uh-huh. Velcro. And yeah, so yeah. you can just take tell them take them to somebody and say and you hand them the Velcro and you say, Please line these with as breakaway pants. So that's what I did. But here's the, here's the thing. When you were a stripper cop, before or after your job that night, you're still wearing your cop uniform. <laughs> and every single time that I walked into like a 7-Eleven, you know, wearing my cop uniform, I always thought, what if this is the moment that the store gets robbed <laughs> and I get fucking shot because they think I'm a cop? Yeah. You know? <laughs> Because, like, I had the bell. They didn't have a gun or anything. You had a badge, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little fake badge on it and stuff. And, and, and my only response, if that were ever to happen, is to basically immediately rip off the, the, the breakaway pants and oh, go, you're God. free to go. I'm not a cop. That has Please. I know you're a screenwriter. you got to put that scene in a fucking movie. That's fucking so good. That's fucking genius, man. I love that, dude. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, one of the things we, were, we we kind of were bonding over is, yeah, I used to be a go-go dancer in New York. Right, right, right. Which is a little bit different, obviously. Um, yeah. Because yeah. Were, were you part of, were you ever part of like a Magic Mike troupe of guys? Like No. Nothing no. like that, yeah. Because uh, I would just dance on like a box. And usually it was like yeah, shirtless and like, a, and like baggy jeans because like the hip-hop era was like the, 
you know, early 2000s, late 90s. I'd wear like a baseball cap and maybe be lightly oiled. Um, <laughs> but then one time I was at Webster Hall in New York and they're like, okay, today we're wearing diapers. And I was like, oh shit. So they gave me a diaper with a big, I remember I was on the box dancing with my little fucking diaper and there was like a little person in the next box in a diaper. And I was just like, what the fuck am I, what am I doing for a hundred dollars? <laughs> so it was the end of my, my illustrious stripping career. Huh. Um, but yeah, so uh, so then you you were doing the stripping, and then the escort service came around, and you you kind of felt at that point. Did you have any sort of I don't want to say moral compunction, but did you have any kind of like worry about Oh my god, I'm be, I'm gonna have to fuck some people that I don't want to fuck. Um, yeah, yeah, I definitely did. Um, and it didn't turn out to be as as bad as I thought. Yeah, right. I mean, I was still partying back then, right? You know, and and so the easiest thing to do was just like smoke some weed, yes, right, and yeah. get and get in the mood, turn on, <laughs> you know, turn on some music, set the mood a little bit. Um, but uh, so your first escort story, the first time you, it was just you and another woman. The first time you went in, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she was someone. I, do you develop a rapport before you meet them, or is it kind of just like set and scene? <laughs> No, because the agency does not give you a picture of who they are before you show up, right? Like, they're, they're, the agency is basically there to um, screen and make sure that it's not um, just uh, some, t- some male that's trying to trick them. So even if, uh. even if a husband calls and says, or, or a guy calls and says, it's for my girlfriend or my wife, uh, the agent goes, yeah, we, we need to talk to her. Uh, okay. We will not book this without you know, proof of life yeah. that there's a, going to be a woman in this scenario. Yeah. Um, and that kind of just stops all the, all the scammers, uh, from, you know, from going forward. But the, the very first job that I did, I, I call them the, the new housewives of New Hampshire, um, <laughs> <laughs> because that's where they were from. And they, it was actually, this was the same, it was actually the day before the owner, this guy, Garen James, went on the Tyra Banks show. So we went out to dinner uh, at Moonshadows, and we and they proceeded to get very drunk. And uh, both both Garen and I weren't drinking. Garen was driving, but I just didn't really feel like drinking. You know, I had some I had some weed back at the hotel, and uh, at, at Shutters, you know. Yeah. And so they. They just proceed to get sloshed, and this was really before I knew much about blackout drinking, oh. right? Like, like I had already been a pretty serious um, contender for for party animal of the year at that point, and had had some stints with sobriety. But we get back to the ho- the hotel, and I'm like, okay, you know, I can do this. This is my first job. I, I have to do amazing. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm I'm going to get fired. You know, that yeah. was my fear. Was I'm at this fired. point, you probably the money is yeah. probably pretty good yeah, yeah it's yeah. probably good yeah. in a way you're like if i lose this job yeah it was an overnight it was an overnight so i think back then that was like uh 2800 something like that jesus yeah so <laughs> so we, we 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 get it on right and then i feel like i've done a great job yeah and i go out on the patio and i smoke some weed and she's having a great time and then we have sex again uh-huh and Right after we finished the second time, 
she comes out of her blackout and she goes, when did we leave the restaurant? Oh, no. And I was like, oh, shit. You know who I am, right? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I just, I don't remember leaving the restaurant. Last thing I remember is like, you know, eating my, eating my salmon and having another glass of wine. I don't remember leaving the restaurant. Like, I'm like, oh, shit. Oh, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, but they were... They were an interesting, interesting. But she was dude. cool with it. She was like, ah, I, I thought yeah, she blacked out. She, ah, yeah, she, it happens. She, <laughs> she, yeah, she. I was very scared, and she's she uh, she tried to make it seem like it was just you know another Tuesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? <laughs> Whoops, blacked out again. <laughs> you know, yeah. so uh, that that allayed some fears. But uh, but yeah, it was a wild time. And then and then uh, Garen had to leave at like four in the morning to go to the to go do the Tyra Bank show and promote his business, right? And he did a pretty good job. And then, like, the next year was when the Gigolo show happened. Uh, and, and I wasn't even slated to be on on the crew, but there were two people who backed out at the last minute. And Do you know why they backed out? No idea. Yeah. Never met them. But, uh, you know, and, and, and we really were sort of this interesting, like, hodgepodge group, you know, who were all supposed to be friends. Yeah. Right. In in Vegas and like only You like live in the same house or something like that? Um no. there were a couple different houses. Yeah. There were yeah. A couple but you hadn't houses. met any of these guys before, obviously. No. Um what I one of them I had. One of them I had actually I would at that moment when the show was happening, we were actually roommates in LA and there was oh, this okay. guy it's this guy Nick um Haas who who I met through being a, a go go dancer at the Abbey. And oh, he had wow. a stripping business in LA, so I started working for his business. We became friends. He was a he was a much different person back then before the Gigolos fame set in. Um, he now <clears throat> is a shaman somewhere in the desert. I don't know if he's still pursuing his rap career. Oh, he's also a rapper. He thinks he's a rapper. Yes, and a shaman, and, and, a, a, and a shaman, <laughs> yeah. and a go-go dancer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, multifaceted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. What a, what a guy! Um, so, did you have to audition for, it or did they just kind of like pick you? Oh man, you just. No. Do you have referrals? He no, really it's... fucked me, God. I think here's no, his and I think that's one of the things that really lacks in the um, the male escort for women industry is that is that there's not really a review site. Uh, there are review sites out there, like the Erotic Review and stuff like that, but they don't. I, I from what I hear, they've never started like a like a straight men section. And this kind of goes to the point that I think we had talked about, um, in Baltimore, which was, which was my, my best guess for the amount of escorting work that goes on in the, in, at least in the United States is that it is, it's probably 70%, 60 to 70% men hiring women. And then like 20 to 30% men hiring men. Mm -hmm. And then like less than, three to five percent women hiring men and then maybe 0.1 percent of women hiring women in fact i don't even i've never even heard of a, of i've never met anybody who's who's a woman who's actually hired a woman yeah, yeah. i'm sure it exists i mean yeah. uh, uh what's it called like not murphy's law that's that's <laughs> <laughs> the law of probabilities i guess yeah, 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 yeah it has to exist yeah of course it does right? i'm sure yeah. but it's so small so small it's, yeah it's there's, so, probably, there's no agency for it you know yeah yeah yeah, yeah. There is actually an agency, though. I mean, I'll just give them a plug. Um, Cowboys just started a sister agency called SafficMoon.com. Oh. So if you are a lesbian looking for, or even just bi-curious, 
looking for a lady to hire, you can you can go check out Sapphic Moon. Yeah. So it's so interesting because w- one of the things that's interesting to me about the whole escorting service is that when men want an escort, they just probably want the escort to show up to their hotel room, fuck them, and then leave. Right. Yeah. yeah. When women want an escort, they probably want something more comprehensive. They probably want like a date. They probably want to go out. They probably want to talk. They probably want. I imagine that there's more opportunity for women to get their feelings attached to the male escorts. Hundred percent. Maybe that's me being fucking sexist and saying that, but it just seems my experience with women is that they they will uh, you know get more um, emotionally they, involved. They want. To know that you are enjoying yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And so, How do I know you're enjoying yourself? You do this for a job. Are you faking it? <laughs> I mean, you get that question a lot. Um, do you ever have to fake it? An orgasm? No, I don't have to fake an orgasm. I never guarantee orgasms. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so I'm a contract. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, but no, if the, if the situation, you know, develops... And, because they're they're only hiring you for your time, right? So yeah. if there's a if there's a connection, then that's great. If there's not a connection, and I genuinely don't am not interested in, in doing it, I, I just I just turn them down. And, oh really? Yeah. Do they have to? You have paid the money back or anything like that? Or no, technically you don't have to, but I always give back like half the money because I usually stay for about half the time. Yeah, yeah, and something like that. So, Do you ever have women who hire you who just want to go out? Because this happened to me in New York more than once where women would say, I'll pay $200 to go with me to this bar. My ex-boyfriend works there. I just want him to see me with a guy and feel jealous and know that like the, and then she would like slide me like $200 under the table so I could like pay for dinner, like take up my wad and pay for dinner. Um, was there any, were there things like that where you just kind of used as like arm candy? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's probably fun, right? <clears throat> I don't know if that's as fun <laughs> as as like just being real with people. Yeah. You know, and having a good time. I mean, sure, pretending can be, you know, it can be novel, but there 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 definitely were a couple situations like that where um <laughs> This woman wanted to be the talk of like her dentistry group. Yeah. Right. And I met her bef- uh, in Vegas, you know, and and the, and the husband paid me real quick, and then she wanted him to 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 take a bunch of pictures, right, of us at this uh, Hard Rock Hotel pool, and and like within the first like two minutes, I was like, this poor motherfucker. He has to deal with her all, all day, yeah. every day, like this. Like she, um, she, she was not a super nice person. Yeah, and, and uh, was uh, you know a bit, a bit narcissistic, and but like, so and I, and I had to pretend to be one of her ex boyfriends from college. Oh right? wow! So everybody in this group this dentistry group we were going to the chris angel magic show (laughs) (laughs) of course knew who uh, like about who i was in in terms of they thought i was this ex-boyfriend from college yeah and so i had to pretend to be this guy and you have a different name and a whole backstory and yeah i I mean i think it was dennis and and, (laughs) but like dennis the dentist sounds (laughs) that, that just could be my like brain cells that are fritzing but um 
but yeah, I had, I, I had to respond to his name, and, and we went to this magic show. And then, like, in the middle of the magic show, just out of nowhere, right at the moment when all of the pigeons from some trick are flying to the back of the room and being sucked up, so everybody's attention is in the back of the room, she wants to make out to, like, add to the gossip. Yeah. Right? Of what's going on, because they know she's married, too. Oh, boy. Right? They all know the husband. He's there in Vegas at, at whatever dentistry conference, conference it was. And, and so she wants to make out, and I'm like, okay, fine. This is, this is fine, because she looked good. But, but uh, the... It, it, but, like, nobody saw it. Because everybody was looking at the fucking pigeons, right? And so I was, I, I just, the, the whole evening was just baffling to me about her strategy and how she went about trying to portray this thing. Like, she didn't give me a very good backstory, you know. I, I was, I, it was just, like, I was just asking questions on, on the taxi ride from the Hard Rock Cafe to the Luxor, yeah. where, the, where the show was. And it was like, okay, just roll with it, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that's the best, the best you can do. Yeah. Um, so when there are situations like that, to, to make somebody jealous, it's got to be in a safe way, right? Sure. Can't, like, I, I can't, I, it can't be like your husband is coming home and, and he, and, and you, want, you want him to catch us in bed because yes, of what if the guy has a gun, right? Of course, of course, <laughs> my God. I don't know any of this stuff. And his husband was complicit in all of this. Yeah, he was yeah, like, yeah. it's totally cool. Yeah. And he wanted the dentistry group to know that she was making out with her ex. I don't know if what he wanted had anything to do with the equation. <laughs> Wow. I think he was just tolerating it. He was just like, this he was, will shut her up. He, he, <laughs> he obviously loved being married to her. Yeah. And they had kids. Yeah. And, uh, you know, for they, I guess they were happy. Yeah. Right? I hope they're happy. I hope you're happy out there if, you, <laughs> if you're listening to this. And so how did that night end? Did it, did it end with, like, going back to the... It, ended, it ended early. She actually, like, we got back to the, to the place and she was like, all right, you're done. And there was an extra hour, and, and she looked sort of like a... Like, if you imagine Sandra Bullock being a 10, right? And then you imagine a Brazilian version of Sandra Bullock being like a 9. That's that's her. Wow. So you're right? like, really? So I said, do you really want me... You know, <laughs> we have an extra hour. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, I'm very willing to go back to the room with you. And she was like, no, 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 my husband's coming back. So That's so that interesting. Just, that so it. what do you think... What that's do you think the psychologist behind a woman who wants to do that? Like, is it just... Well, that's not even the best story. Yeah, I want to hear them all. The best story happened to a buddy of mine um, who went out with her like a year later. Oh, the same woman. Wow. Same woman. And they, they went to... They were like in Marina Del Rey um, taking, you know, taking pictures of the thing. And then she was bragging on Facebook about how they had taken some trip to, like, Norway or something. <laughs> oh, my God. And it was like, really? You think palm trees are in Norway? <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so I'm not sure that she had all of her marbles. Yeah, uh, sounds like it. <laughs> but I'm just so curious, like, what what is she... She's obviously wanting something from that. She wants to be just the attention to feel like people was, are talking it about was her social cachet, right? Yeah. She's pushing, pushing this stuff on Facebook. That's it for that's Facebook is basically your weak social network, right? Yeah. It's not for your strong social network. Your strong social network are people you text all the time yeah. and talk to all the time. So 
yeah, your your weak social network is 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 pretty much all of your social media. Yeah, and she, yeah, she just wanted attention. She wanted to be the gossip. Of, yeah, I wonder of, if there was like one group. person in particular. She's like, I'm going to show that bitch. Just something like that. Just one person. She just yeah. wanted to like. Well, it gets it gets even better because there's a third story. Um, <laughs> in the making of Gigolo's season one, I one of the other things to go on this magic date and pretend to be this other guy I had to do was not wear any black. And she had decided in some previous weeks, right? You know that that like she hated black. She hated the color black. I don't know why. She did. She threw out all of her husband's clothes that were black. And so I asked the agent, I said, can I wear black socks? He goes, I wouldn't risk it. (laughs) You do not want to get sent home from this woman. You know, like she sounds crazy, but you know, she's, she could be a good client. Yeah. Right. And, and that sentence right there tells you about half of what you need to know Mm. about male escorting for women. Yeah. Yeah. Right. She might be crazy, but yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, because the good ones inevitably leave after a few years, and and the, the 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 less good ones end up staying forever. So, in terms of that, the ones that stay for a couple of years, do you feel like some of these women are like they went through a bad breakup, or they're going through something, and they just want to feel pretty again or feel sexy again? And on that level, like I can relate to that as because sometimes I feel like you know a man can can really help a woman. In that regard, because if a woman hasn't been sexually satisfied or been in a bad relationship for a long time, you can kind of like, sounds kind of corny, but you can kind of heal them a little bit. You can kind of like help them Absolutely. figure themselves out. And so there is something very beneficial and positive about escorting in that regard. You know what I mean? Some people, they need yeah. to have that experience. So have you had women where you felt like you were really able to like heal them or get them past certain things in their life that they needed to? Because you're also a very spiritual and thoughtful guy, so I imagine you probably have done a lot of sort of pseudo-therapy in a lot of these women as well, I imagine. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's your... If if they're not... If they don't go to therapy, then you are automatically the therapist. Yeah. Right? And I've been through a ton of therapy. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, because my addiction was, was, was rampant, right? And and what was your addiction again? It was it was to cocaine, cocaine intravenously using coke. It's funny because you don't hear so. a lot about intravenous cocaine. You hear a lot about intravenous heroin, and obviously, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. So why? What about the cocaine? Was that the delivery system for you that you needed? Because it just it was that, the rush of that was just so much more extreme. Oh yeah, I mean it's it's like it's like sticking a <clears throat> you know a, a a a light. What's it called? Like a like a battery. It's like sticking. Sticking a battery on your body and electrifying yourself. Oh wow! You know, and you were just charged for the next eight hours or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the high is shorter, and so hence you have to kind of do more. Mm. Um, but if but if you imagine that I don't know, say crack is like a hundred times stronger than snorting coke, then shooting it is like ten times stronger than smoking crack. Yeah, yeah. Right? It's just it's it's that direct interaction into the bloodstream. Yeah, it's so quick. You know, lungs are pretty quick. Yeah, but like a needle into the vein is even quicker. One hundred percent. And now, and obviously, you're a smart guy, and you're a physical therapist. You know a lot about body anatomy and how things work. So the first time you injected cocaine into your arm, were you like, w- w- did you have a moment of like, here we go? 
I'm doing this, or was it just like, I need this? Or what was the... Because I imagine that first time you inject yourself with something, knowing that not only is it illegal, but knowing that like how addictive it's going to be. Was there fear involved in starting that process, or was it kind of well, like... Well, I was, I was afraid I was going to have a stroke, first of all. Um, but second, I had already been addicted to snorting it for like a year at that point. Mm-hmm. And so it's... <clears throat> so basically, I, I went to my buddy's place... Um, and, uh, and I, and I brought some needles, um, and I, I'm jumping ahead. There's a, there's a better story right behind this. The, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he goes, I don't want anything to do with this. Yeah. And I said, well, if you want to do any of this cocaine, you're going to have to watch me shoot some coke tonight <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and at least call the cops if I, you know, yeah. if I stroke out, right? Yeah. Like, like just, you have to, you have to agree to give me CPR <laughs> if, <laughs> If I croak from this one, yeah, right, and and he was like, "Well, what are my choices here?" Because <laughs> yeah, I want that coke. <laughs> I want that coke. So, so, you, so the first time you did it was like, "Oh fuck, yeah!" Like, was it just sort of this moment of like you like unmatched euphoria that had that wasn't replicated when you snorted it? Was it that? Extreme? Yeah, so it's totally different. It's yeah, totally different. Um, and I'm not advocating anybody go out there and do it. Yeah, it's it's very dangerous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't say it's as dangerous as, as fentanyl is these days. Of course. Right. And what was the story but, beforehand you said? You said the story right before okay. that. Um, so I was, I was working at Disney at the time. <laughs> as? <laughs> I was the prince in the Snow White musical. Of course you were. Right? It was my first big like musical theater job out of college. And was it a full musical? It was, or was a full musical. Oh, like really? 33-minute musical. We, we did five shows a day. Um, I played not only the prince, but also the huntsman. So I got to, you know, uh, either kiss Snow White to wake her up from her death for every show, or I got to almost stab her every show during yeah. the, uh, in the huntsman's big scene. Yeah. And you're on Coke this whole time. Um, never like at work. Yeah. Okay. Right. But pretty much that was when the habit like started. Sure. Right? Cause I was making good money as a 22, 23 year old. Yeah. And this is Disneyland right here. This or? is Disneyland and Anaheim. Disneyland, baby. baby. <laughs> Fantasyland theater. <laughs> So I was on some type of bender where I, you know, benders usually encompass more than up to 24 hours, but sometimes longer. And the problem with benders is that you you really do start to go into this cocaine psychosis yeah. around any any time between hour 30 and like hour 60, right? So visual hallucinations, auditory hallucinations, everything. Yeah. And at that time, I thought that I had... Um, fleas uh, that that somehow fleas had like gotten into my apartment. Right, this is very common with meth too. Yeah. Um, to, but they pick at their skin. They always think that there's like ticks, tick bites, and stuff on them. But it's just it's just them picking their own shit. Yeah. And 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 being in paranoid psychosis. Um, so, and I and I have this like tiny little like cyst by on on my temple that had developed in. It's totally benign, uh, benign but um, it had. I hadn't noticed like that it had developed, right? Yeah. And uh, the and 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 that night, I just thought that I had um, snorted some fleas and that they were laying eggs in my brain. Oh wow! And that that's what the cyst was. Wow! Right. So I drove myself to the urgent care, and from the urgent care, they were like, I said, you know, you know, when you when you show up at a hospital and you tell them something like that. And they go, hey, buddy, you're sweating a lot. 
<laughs> your heart rate is like 160 and you're sitting down. What have you been doing? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? Like, we don't believe this story. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, I don't know. I, I, I'm pretty sure, like, like, it could be fleas. I don't know. Maybe it's crabs. Right? Like, like <laughs> m- you know, I, I, pulled this, I pulled this couch from, like, a dumpster recently and put it on my patio because, like, that's what you do in Anaheim. You know? It was a good-looking couch, though. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I bug-bombed it. But still, weeks later, I was convinced that it, that it had fleas and it had gotten in my apartment. Even though there was no evidence to suggest otherwise, except yeah, yeah. me on cocaine. <laughs> so, so they give me a sedative, and uh, they knock me out, and then they shave my pubes in a very non-waxing way, <laughs> like the, pretty much like the worst pube shaving that you can ever imagine. And I wake up, and they're like, "Yeah, you don't have crabs." Um, <laughs> and then the doctor comes in, and he goes, "So cocaine, huh?" Were you smoking it, snorting it, or shooting it? Oh, wow. And my honest-to-God reaction was, you can shoot it? (laughs) (laughs) So after that, I had to try it. (laughs) Because I'm a a big fan of try everything once. Sure, for sure. Right? Yeah. And, And then... If you don't like it, maybe try it again. <laughs> Twice, you know, yeah. because you need to know. And then yeah. even then if you try if 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 the first time you you didn't like it and the second time you liked it, now you need a tiebreaker. Yeah. So really, if you truly want to know whether you like something Anything. or not, yeah. you probably have to try it 3, three times. times. Yeah. Minimum. Yeah. Yeah. And and, I, and and the first like 10 times that I tried coke, I did not like it. My heart was racing, I got a little paranoid, and then you have that one magic moment where you've just had a couple of drinks at the bar and you mm-hmm. do a little bump in the bathroom and you're like, I am a million dollars. Yeah. I don't feel like a million dollars. I am a million dollars. And, and, and that was it. That was like, that was the, the floodgates opened at that point. Yeah. And so, so at that point, um, it, it, when did you realize that you might have a problem or when do you realize that you are now addicted to it? Was it something like, was it a sudden thing? Like, oh, shit, I can't get off this. Or how did that look? I mean, when it goes from, like, once a week to three times a week, mm. right? Like, that's when you know. When you're looking for excuses to to basically do things around this. I was still a stoner at the, you know, at the time. And, um, and I still love smoking weed every day. But, <clears throat> but if I was going to go on a, on a little bender, then usually I wouldn't smoke. Yeah. Right? Because yeah. I... It it would it would it would it would make me more paranoid faster if you mix the two. Yeah, it makes sense. Kids do not mix those two. <laughs> yeah, right. Just either shoot up, straight shoot up, <laughs> yeah. or do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely not recommending. But um, I, you know, I think I think you know all along. Like, there's. I think if you're maybe I was asleep and maybe I didn't want to know. And and you know, denial ain't just a river in Egypt. Yeah. Right. Like like it's it's easy to look back at the your past and see a very straight line and go ah i should have seen that the whole the whole way of course but then why is it when you look forward um into the future it looks like a fucking labyrinth and you're like i have no idea i have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow yeah right so i think that yeah i always kind of knew underneath that and and there was some pain there that there was some some unresolved trauma and stuff that that like and just a lot of anger i think more than anything and 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 you know i have been writing this um, on and off this incel movie that that kind of has to do with like what I feel is 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 missing in terms of masculinity mm-hmm. um, in modern days that we're missing we're missing 
you know, real initiation rights. Like now you can just pledge a fraternity, you can join the military, go shoot some people, you can join uh, the police force, uh, or you can, you know, be a college athlete, yeah. right? And, and those are specific ways that don't actually deal with r- true masculinity in, in, a, in, a, in, in, in what I would consider to be, uh, those are like specialized cultures, yeah. right? You need something that I think is like an overall culture initiation right into manhood. Yeah. Um, and, and whether it's your father uh, that's, you know, like telling you that you're a man now and he's going to teach you how to put, you know, new shingles on the roof or, or you go on some type of, you know, mushroom trip in, in Australia at 18 and, and, and hitchhike for a while. Yeah. Like I think those things are, are really missing and we're, we're starting to find out now because of all the fucking terrorist shootings that you know that that um real masculinity is being stunted yeah. by maybe it's just social media or maybe it's just that our culture is failing ourselves yeah you know we're missing these we we're missing these real role models yeah and so you know i i i always say cuz i went to to college for a uh, like an opera degree basically classical voice and and composition and i i don't really use my music degree at all much anymore but um <clears throat> my surrogate father was the the smartest and gentlest human being that i knew which was actually my voice teacher at the time mm. and he continues to be one of my best friends to this day um but at that time what i needed was more of a father figure uh who 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 would validate me mm-hmm. and who would and who would listen and who would respond intelligently not that my dad's not intelligent but just that we never connected on that emotional level or much earlier on and and um and 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 I felt invalidated a lot as you know in in an authoritarian household yeah so so your dad was kind of like old school, super strict. Was he super religious? What was his story? Um, they were, we, I mean, we grew up Catholic, right? It, uh, they weren't strict. Uh, they, no, they were strict, but they weren't like super Catholic. Yeah. Right. So, we, so we went through, we went through the rigmarole. I mean, I think, I think, uh, two of my four sisters actually got confirmed, but the, you know, the other three, my other two sisters and myself, we didn't. Yeah. Right. But we all went to Catholic school. We all went through communion and, um, and so, but it was, it was more just that lifestyle was, was what they had had. And they yeah. were both raised by of course. very abusive, uh, uh, Catholic parents back in the fifties and sixties. So, yeah. um, you know, so, so I think that they, like I can look at now and say they did the best that they could for what they had of and, course. They, and they are good parents, but I was just like a, a spewing teenager who questioned everything and, and just kept getting more and more punished yeah. for my rebellions, which just caused me to rebel more, you know? Of course, yeah. Um, and, and, and I think that I think that really solidified my personality a lot. Um, although there are things now that, that I remember being so angry when my mom would say, oh, you know, you need to, why don't you get a business double, a, a double degree in business, right? That way you'll have something to fall back on. And I'm like, you don't understand. <laughs> you cannot diversify your, your energy 
into that basically that basically means I'm going to fail yeah, as an exactly. actor. Yeah. That means I'm going to fail as an artist. If if you ever make a backup plan, you're planning to fail. There, there's truth to that for sure. Right. Yeah. And that was that was my core belief back then that I could not do it. And now I look at it and I'm like, ah, maybe I should have done that. <laughs> yeah. You know, I should have been a, I should have been a coder or I should have gotten a finance degree. Like those two things they they have perpetual interest for me now. Yeah. And and uh, you know, but the problem is I might have failed at getting a double degree had I tried to pursue it back then. Of course. So yeah. there's that whole thing of like, well, the timing wasn't even there. I didn't even, I didn't even know that I had curiosity and, and, um, uh, and will aptitude, for that, yeah. aptitude for that until much later, until my like mid thirties. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Interesting. Yeah. I know. I know for me as like an actor and comedy, comedy came later, but like sometimes I look at my life now, I go like, man, I wish I had other skills. <laughs> Like when my car's fucked, I'm like, I just bring the mechanic. Like, is is that is keep it? <laughs> yeah, I can't yeah. open a hood and figure anything she, fucking out. Is she there? Is she? The, <laughs> is the is the problem in the room with us now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that yeah, there's there's a lot to that because I definitely feel like very hamstrung by being just like a a one trick pony, you know, yeah. for for so long. So um. And now you have you have like a lot of things you do now, a lot of different interests, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I teach, you know, um, a blend of physical therapy. So I don't work in hospitals anymore um, because I, I just kind of got tired of it, like during the pandemic. So, so let's, let's back up a little bit. Right. So, so, so Jiglos happened. Yeah. Um, and and that was a, a, a fun run. I, I mean, you got, I guess you kind of got quasi famous during that. Yeah, because that yeah, show yeah. was. I mean, I felt like that show. There's a lot of talk about that show because there was nothing like it before. Right. So everyone had heard about it. Sure. Um, I don't know how many people watched it. Was was it incredibly popular? What was you know the ratings it was, were? It was popular enough to get six seasons. Six seasons. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And how many seasons were you on? Only two. Only two. Only yeah, two. yeah, yeah. Because my life pretty much fell apart in 2012. Oh, okay. You know? So what what happened? Yeah. Did you did you quit the oh, show oh, or God, were you, how much time do you have? Were you canned from the show? <laughs> I mean, do you want the short version? <laughs> the medium version? Hey, man, I'm here. I, I got another hour. So whatever you need. <laughs> I mean, I've, I so I'm writing a book about this, but I, I'll I'll give you the cliff notes in the sense that um, so 2010, I had started dating. A girl who was a, a, a pre-med student at UCLA and um, pretty quickly sh- she already knew that I was you know because I was I only hit it for like two days I was like yo I'm a I'm a intravenous coke addict <laughs> you know <laughs> who's also a gigolo and uh, she was like cool I shoot heroin and I was like great all right I think this is gonna work Yin out and yang. yeah you know um, and and she um, you know, she felt like somebody who was gonna was really going places. She had she had plans to be a neurosurgeon. Um, she had gotten into uh, USC medical school, and so which is a great medical school, which yeah. is a, one of the top. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, but she was came from a poor white family, very poor, and 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 I saw her putting like part of her tuition on a credit card one day, and I said, "What the fuck are you doing?" Yeah. You can't get another loan, and she was like, "I'm literally maxed out. I have no other options, you know." And I was like, "That that's insane, you know." And she was an RA, um, at, you know. She was, so she was she was already doing work study and and all this stuff. And I and I just said, "Look, you know, I really don't think that you should escort, but if you want to, I can teach you everything that you need to know to 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 do it successfully and be as safe as possible." 
but again, I'm not advocating for this. And mm. then, you know, she did it and she wanted to do it. And, um, you know, to sort of ease her life in which, which at that point was, was extremely financially strained to the point of putting school money on credit cards, which is ridiculous because that's like three times the rate of, of a normal school loan. Yeah. Right. So it, you know, I, I guess it, it happened because it was meant to happen. But, um, in the realm of that beast, then the gigolo show happened and I started getting hired a lot. Yeah. Right. Cause people were, they were seeing the show of and they were like, wait a minute, there's a website. And they would just go on the website and then just order me right away. It was yeah. like, so I would get these calls like, where are you at? I'm at the gym. All right. How quickly can you get to the airport? Dude, you know, you need to keep a go bag in your car. Do you not understand? We're like hitting the mother load right now. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? So I had, to, I had to start keeping a go bag in my car. Because they were flying you all, were you flying all over the world? Not all over the world, but all over the U.S. Yeah. Yeah. And and it was it was just instant work 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 yeah, yeah. Um, and it was ridiculous right it was it was super ridiculous yeah uh, so but then and you're still dating this girl the still dating of, still dating the and girl. and there's no jealousy or anything kind of happening with that not that not that she ever verbalized yeah not that she ever verbalized I mean I just said this is what it is if you if you don't want to accept this you don't want to date me that's totally fine yeah you know I'm never going to force anybody who I like to to accept my terms yeah right that's i think that's an individual decision i respect everybody's freedom you know of decision and and it doesn't matter how much i like you or even how much i think i love you i'm never going to force anybody to accept my terms yeah they have to come to it on their own so she there was i was i was away working the first time that she uh, claimed that she was attacked by this client. Oh, right? And she claimed that it happened, you know, first in her apartment near UCLA. And then, uh, the story changed to it happening outside of a car, um, on Gailey Avenue, like in broad daylight. Yeah. And one thing that I learned about being sober, uh, because I, I lived at a sober living for many years, right? I, I had no other options in, in 20, 13 and 14. I, I was, I literally was just like, I'll go, I'll go anywhere that'll take me. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm down and out. I'm starting over. And, and then there it was also, but, but it was also a conscious decision that even at the point when I was making money doing physical therapy, um, I, I chose to stay there because that was my community. Those were the people who I got sober with. And it, it felt, it felt very much like the, the brothers that I never had. Like, yeah. like there's a reason why I'm obsessed with like, gang culture, prison culture, military culture, and fraternity culture. Um, and it's because I think they're all toxic in a way that shouldn't be there. But also, there is a brotherhood that I never got to have because yeah. I don't have any brothers. Yeah, makes sense. Uh, anyways, back to the story. She, she, so I got her to move in with so, me. So when she told you the stories about the being attacked, first of all, the age, was her agency a high-end agency that she was with? I mean, do, you, do they have pimps? Do female no, escorts have pimps or how does it work? No, no, she was independent. She, she was independent. just on a website on her own. Okay. Right? And every time she went on a date, I would offer – if I was in town, and, and I even had, had friends too who would offer basically to be the bodyguard and go like wait outside the door. Um, and uh, she, never, she never took me up on it. Mm. Right? She would just share her location and, and that was it. Yeah. Right? But this guy had wanted to uh, be aggressive with her 
And he he mentioned that on the date at the restaurant, right? And so that scared her, and she walked away with the money. I found out many months later, um, after he started, you know, first of all, he found out who she was. He, like, hired some private investigator, some rich dude, right, <laughs> in, in Colorado um, to, uh, to figure out who she was and then basically threatened to give out her identity to the med school and, and try to ruin her budding medical career. And so she said that she gave the money back, but we, I obviously figured out many, many months later that she actually went and slept with him. And, you know, that, that probably was the day that she, that she, um, like came back and and beat herself up because she had, she had like wounds, right. From this attack. She had like a, a, a slightly black eye, um, on the left side of her face, uh, some scratches, you know, a little bit. And, and, and because the story had initially been that it was in the apartment, um, there was like a whole meeting of all of the girls in the apartment that were like, what are you, what do you mean this guy was in the apartment? Right. What, what the fuck do you mean? Like, we can't have you here anymore. This is too scary. Yeah. Right. And so, and, and so then the story changed to no, well, he raped me in the car, whatnot. Um, my best guess is that she, because she didn't want to give back the money, she just went and, and, and had sex with him and, and, um, was very ashamed about it afterwards and then ended up, um, you know, uh, beating herself up. And the only reason that I can draw that conclusion is because she did this not one more time, but two more times she faked being, um, attacked and raped by the same guy. Right. And, this, and this guy, this same guy, same guy. Yeah. Right. And after the second one, I basically, I don't want to say forced, but I, 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 cause she did not want to go to the police. Right. Yeah. She, she claimed that she did a rape kit. She didn't do a rape kit. Um, I found that out later. <laughs> she, um, I, I made her tell cause I was shooting season two of gigolos in Vegas when the quote second attack happened mm-hmm. really each time in the, in the second and the, and the third attack, she just flipped my apartment. That's all she did. And, <laughs> and the second time she gave herself some scratches, uh, on her, on her ribs. And then, uh, the third time, um, she gave herself another black eye, right? And, and, and in between the second and the third, um, we had a sex crimes detective on the case. We, you know, this guy, she know, believed her at this point. I believed, I believed everything. Yeah. Right. I was, I was scared as shit yeah. for her. And I felt extremely guilty because I had basically introduced her sure. into the life. And so I hired my own private detective and as well as we had the sex crimes detective on the case. And every time that this guy would quote threat text her and say oh you're looking nice in a sundress today or whatever and 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 in order to make her try to feel small she would give me the number and i would send it immediately to the sex crimes detective with the text and and i would say you know he's texting her from this number now she's blocking it but like whatever you know just keep collecting it yeah and and sometime in november um i want to say really early November, I was getting out of a cab in <laughs> New York and the sex crimes detective called me. And so this was like two months into the case, yeah. uh, being built around this guy, uh, who I think had even given up a DNA sample at that point. We were waiting, we were waiting on some test results because we had taken evidence from my apartment from the second attack. Uh, 
you know, into in giving it into evidence. Yeah. And um, the sex crimes detective called me, and he goes, "Hey, you're not gonna like hearing this." Oh shit! Did you were, were you suspicious when no. you said this? You had you're like, "This is a what?" No, no, no. Yeah. He he, he goes. So like the last maybe five or six, um, you know, uh, 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 numbers, G- Google voice numbers that you've given me that he's, uh, he has supposedly, uh, been, been texting her from and threatening her. Uh, those are all related to emails related to Samantha. Oh, wow. And I was like, no fucking way. Oh, boy. No way. I did not believe him. Yeah. I said, I said, that's impossible. Yeah. I said, the only way that this is is possible is this guy is so rich because he is rich um we my my pi confirmed that he has you know multi-millions and and he 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 paid somebody off at google to like hack her account to like hack her account yeah right and 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 make it and make it seem like his his threatening words were coming from her own email accounts and and the and the sex i think i don't think the sex crimes detective laughed but he basically said, like, I cannot speak to that theory, yeah, you know, yeah, and yeah, hung yeah, up. Yeah. Right? Because he knew at that point I was fucking gone. Yeah. Right? Like, like it's that sunken cost mentality. Um, but almost immediately after that, the, the, the truth started to sink in. And it started, things started becoming more obvious. She, in, it, just in a matter of, like, two months in 2011, she faked being pregnant once. She had a fucking implant in her... Uh, wrist in her arm uh-huh. and uh, uh, a prophylactic, right? Yeah. That, that's for like five years. Yeah. And, and not that they're, you know, a hundred percent, but they're pretty fucking good. Yeah. And so she faked being, um, what's it called? Uh, pregnant. She faked a uh, miscarriage. And then the second time she faked being pregnant, I took her to the hospital for a fake abortion where she would not let me stay. And this was like Christmas of 2011, right? Where I've, I've, I've like had it with her and I, I basically broke up with her. Um, that At this point, we were like, she's lying. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Like it was so, I mean, to go from she's the ultimate victim to like... I have been fucking lied to. Wow! In a seriously egregious way, was it was it extremely embarrassing truth to come to? Yeah, and so, you're shooting the series during oh, this whole time. Well, it, the the series was done in in uh, September, uh, August to September of 2011, and and it was airing like in November, right? Yeah, it was it was very very quick turnaround because there's not a lot of editing that goes on <laughs> in reality TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> the, but. Um, and this yeah. was like this was like your homie. This was your girl. This is your main person, right? That you trusted with, yeah, yeah with yeah. your life. Now, do you think she was doing this because was it just a, a play to get money? Like, were you was she getting money for abortions, quote unquote abortions from you? Was a what was the what was the end game? Oh, shit, I guess I, I think I did pay for that abortion, that that fake abortion. Yeah, <laughs> holy I mean, shit. Because what else, what else would she be doing? Just so she could look like a victim? Of all of the thinking in all of the years <laughs> since then, you bring that up makes me realize I missed something. Oh, wait a second. That is fucking crazy. Yeah. Because she's probably funding her, her habit, right? Her addiction. Very, yeah. I mean, I was giving her a lot of money at that point yeah. anyways. Yeah. I mean, maybe maybe not a lot, but at least I was I was helping float her. Or do you right? think that maybe if she was having, if she had an abortion, like maybe that would keep you connected to her maybe she felt you slipping away and this would make you trauma bond to her in some way i don't know 
I'm just um, kind of wondering because that, that that psychology seems so fucked. But I also know it's not that uncommon. It, no one really talks about it, but women do fake abortion sometimes. They do fake a lot of shit sometimes. I mean, it's so like just, let's just big picture it. Why did she do all of that? I think that it started out as an attempt for love and attention. Sure, that's my genuine guess. Yeah, right. Because she won't. She won't tell me. She's never told me. She's never, never she's admitted, never, she's never given, to anything. She's never admitted to any of it, um, other than saying when I when I said like you know many years after getting sober I made some uh, uh, amends to her and she was like okay yeah cool if you need anything from me let me know I said oh really if I need anything from you yeah I'd really like to know why you did what you did <laughs> did she, you ask her that and the answer was the the, the email response was. I'm getting there, but not yet. How long ago was this? 2015. 2015. Wow. Eight years ago. Wow. Yeah. And you st- and, and nothing ha- since. Nothing. So that was the last interaction yeah. you had with her. Yeah. It's funny because we were talking. about She's now the uh, chief neurosurgeon at Cedar Sinai. Yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> she definitely is. She's. She cannot yeah. be a doc. I'm sure she's not a doctor now, right? No. No. She's definitely not. Do you she, know what's um, happened to her? She got expelled from from Keck Medical School for that. Uh, no, first she got suspended for um, popping on a drug test uh-huh. um, uh, with multiple drugs. Here, here's okay. Just a little more context. This is such a big story. I'm sorry, you know that I'm taking up so much time. I love it. But she, when 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 shifting over from UCLA to USC um, and moving in with me in the time, because I was like, you got to get close to me. Like I'm buying a gun. I'm hiring a detective. Like I'm keeping you fucking safe. Yeah. Uh, we moved into the Palazzo. Uh huh. Down there the on the third at the Grove, third which is super swank, right? Yeah. I was like, I can afford this. this All the fucking... actors that have TV shows are there, basically. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, the it, the Palazzo is the type of place where next to the coffee maker in the lobby, you see women with their pomeranians put out. They open up the French vanilla creamer little little cups and they put them on the floor and line them up for the little pomeranians <laughs> to fucking eat. Right? Serious. I saw that. Yeah, yeah. I believe so. It. Um. So we moved into a super safe neighborhood because I was like, there's security cameras everywhere. He'll never try anything here. It's, it's impossible. Um, and, uh, oh, but the, but the context about UCLA was she was getting Xanax and Adderall from the psychiatrist at UCLA. And then when she went to USC, she also was getting Xanax and Adderall from the doctor at USC. Yeah. And they did not know each other because it was Student Health Center. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. You know, um, those, those doctors are different, different groups. So she's, she's fully addicted to a bunch of things. And could you, could she hide her addiction that well? I mean, was she able to like, well, she, you know, she was trying to work very hard at her medical career, but, but, you know, shooting heroin on the weekends was, was definitely, you know, happening not every weekend. Right. Cause she would have to work in the hospitals and intern and stuff. Um, but here's where the story gets good. <laughs> <laughs> here's where it gets weird, guys. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In case you're bored out of your minds. Uh, sometime around uh, January 6th or 7th of 2012, she fakes a third rape. From right? the same guy. From the same and guy. And he's now just, in, in, in the and, and narrative, he's stalking yeah. her, finding her, and raping her. Yeah. Yeah, and 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 I don't know if the DNA had come back conclusively yet at this point, but like, but like at, at a certain point, sometime in early 2022, he's fully cleared. He had you know hard alibis, um, 
for everything except that the the time in which they did have sex on the first time. Yeah, right. So that was corroborated. Um, yeah. So it took seven fucking years or eight years. How long did it take to, for him to? He got cleared in twenty twenty two. You said. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good lord. Okay. No, no, no. The, the DNA t- thing. It took like three months. Okay. Right? It, was, it was pretty quick. Um, so, but no, yeah. Like so, so January sixth or seventh of twenty twelve, she fakes the third one, and I said, and I was again working out of town. I was like. We got this guy. If I know that you're fucking lying, but if it's true, if any of this is true, we fucking got this guy. Yeah. Because there's cameras outside the building. There's cameras inside the building. There's cameras fucking everywhere, right? And so I said to the security, the to the to the management. So her narrative is that he broke into the palazzo, broke into the no, no, apartment. No, no. She claims she was she was absconded on the street, like right as as you're walking out to a uh, uh, third yeah. street, right? And pulled back into the apartment and, and raped there. And again, she flipped my apartment. Um, you know, didn't really destroy a lot of things, but just like made a mess. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and which is which makes it seem like a really violent rape. Yeah. And um, she, so so the the, the management team goes. She was aware that there are cameras at this point, right? Wasn't she? I mean, that's what I told her when I, when we moved in. Of course, it was like we're moving into this place. I mean, if you'll move in with me, because. It's fucking safe. Yeah. Right? Gates, everything. Security guard, everything. Like, super, super safe. And, I mean, no, you know, I say that now having been in crypto for like two years, right? (laughs) (laughs) Nothing's fucking safe. Nothing's safe. (laughs) Um, But uh, the, 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 so I said, it, it happened at this time. And they came back and they said, nothing happened in that time. She never left the apartment. Right? And, and so I go, I, I expand the time frame. Go, go wider. They yeah. did. They, nothing. nothing. I said, go, go to the previous day and, and go to the following day. They were like, she went in one day. She did not leave. She came out the next day. She had a black eye. Nobody could have snuck in to that apartment without us seeing it, right? Because there's a camera like right next to the hallway and nobody... Nobody messed with the security cameras. Nobody hopped over the fence and went into the patio. We have footage from that. Nothing. And I was like, that's it. Wow. That is the... the, the, the smoking the gun. smoking gun. Yeah. Right? Is that evidence. And so I had already moved uh, to the other palazzo um, away from her. And um, I had asked her to leave the apartment. She didn't. Um, and, and I said, well, you have... You know, I'm breaking the lease, but you have whatever a month before you're going to get evicted you know and they call the cops and you know and so they like the problem was she still had xanax that i that made all of my come downs from shooting coke much more tolerable right if i didn't have anything i was just walking around sweating paranoid for like two hours before i could even lie down it's it's the the high was very short and uh, it's it's not a great it's not a great come down it's it's fucking gnarly it it hurts yeah right your heart hurts your head hurts your eyes hurt like it, it's I'm, it's not like the flu it's not like opiate type um, uh, 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 symptoms but it's similar yeah um, in the sense that everything hurts <laughs> and yeah. you just want to go to bed but you fucking can't because your yeah. brain won't turn off yeah and you can't stop like hearing things you know like like 
he's in here. <laughs> you know, like, the amount of times that I heard the cops, you know, oh my the, God, the, the yeah. imaginary cops sneaking up to my window and the amount of times that I thought the SWAT team was literally just about to come down on a rope from my roof, like so many fucking times, yeah. so many times I would be in my room and I would, I would get so sick of it and I would go, I surrender. And I would open the door naked, of course. And like, <laughs> There was nobody in the hallway. There, it, there was nobody in my living room. Oh my there was goodness. nobody nobody opening the front door, nobody at the patio door, nobody in the bathroom. Yeah. And then I would just slam my, my door shut and go right back to what I was doing. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, so I, I had her, yeah. right? I was, I, was, I was so relieved that finally i had some type of piece of evidence mm-hmm. that um that i wasn't fucking crazy <laughs> yeah right and that she was a very disturbed individual um and and so but but the problem was i kept coming back for for the xanax for the xanax and she would say i'll only give it to you if you if you shoot coke here you know mm. um and then i ended up stealing some xanax from her uh, when she didn't want to give me as many as I was hoping for um, to to get through a night, right? I was like, this this half a milligram is not going to last, yeah. right? Like, that's not going to help me go to sleep. And so because I had taken some of those from her, um, and it was, it was about January, somewhere between like the 11th and the 13th of 2022, um, cause I don't remember exactly. It's many brain cells ago. This is my best <laughs> guess. Cause I didn't, I never actually, I didn't write it down until a couple of months later. Right. Um, cause I was too fucking embarrassed, but, uh, she, she was angry at me for taking her Xanax. Yeah. And, um, she had, uh, she basically, she, she realized she still had, a, a partial shiner on her eye, right? That she had given herself the week prior. And so, yeah, I mean, I, I, I left and she called the cops and reported that I had hit her. Oh, and then boy. a week later I was picked up, um, by the detectives and taken, uh, to the holding center. And I started telling them, you guys don't understand. This woman <laughs> has made up a lot of things. Um, I have a, we currently have an open sex crimes case with, uh, detective shoemaker. I don't know if it's okay to blow his name or whatever. He's, yeah, yeah. He, he probably doesn't care. <laughs> yeah. And and they go like detective shoemaker, like next door. Yeah. And I was like, yes, I recognize this building. <laughs> I've, been, I've been here before to testify, you know, that, that my girlfriend was hurt and, and they went and they got him and he comes in. He comes into the, the holding cell and he sees me through the window first. And, and, and that look, that look, I'll never forget that fucking look. Yeah. Right. He goes, wow, I see. Uh, I was like, can you tell them? Can you tell them that, that like none of this is real? Yeah. He's like it, that. Unfortunately, that's, that's not the way it works. You have to go. You have, you have to, go, to go through the system. You got to go downtown. You're going downtown. Wow. Yeah. And so you were- got booked. I got booked um, downtown, and uh, and the towers is that the place? The towers, yeah. the towers, yeah. And that made that made uh, that made TMZ. Oh, really? Because a guard, a guard. The great. This is going to make it. This is going to make the Google search that I don't want on the first page of Google back up to Google first page. Um, 
the the guard that immediately recognized me from the show and goes, "Yo, you want your own cell?" I was like, "Yes, <laughs> I don't want to be near these crazy people." <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, so, by the way, everyone in jail is fucking innocent. Yeah, <laughs> of, course, of course, of course, of course. Some bullshit. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so he puts me in my own cell and then, and then he wants an autograph and I was like, ah, oh, come on, man. Right. Like, okay, fine. You know? And then he, he must have like, he, he called TMZ he and said, yo. left, left me in the cell and went and was like, yo, I got proof. This guy's in here. Oh, wow. You know, give me my 500 bucks. And did TMZ like f- find you after you got out of jail? Were they like waiting as you got out? How long were you in jail for? Um, I was in jail for a day. I got bailed out. I got bailed out uh, by a close friend, and the and the case got dismissed based on a forged letter that was a fake amniocentesis that Samantha had written herself oh during one of the pregnancies when she was in in 2011 interning for this doctor who was a cervical oncologist, right? So cancer of the vagina and not an obstetrician specifically, not a baby vagina doctor. And what she had done, because she had some medical knowledge, was she stole this letterhead. Mm -hmm. She wrote up her own amniocentesis. Um, She uh, didn't give herself an A plus on the amniocentesis. You know, she was like, patient is a little underweight. Patient needs to, (laughs) you know, do this and do that. Interventions, modalities. And then signed the doctor's name. Wow. And so the the domestic violence case was was dismissed immediately because we had this affidavit from the doctor that said, that's not my patient. That was my student intern. Um, I was never her doctor. That is my letterhead. And that's not my signature. She definitely forged my signature. So that's what you need. Boom. Yeah. Right? And so besides that, lack of like any other evidence of... Of, of actual, course, actual uh, things. Yeah. So, you know, but yeah, worst worst time of my life. And so, sure. at that point, so did they're like, "Hey, you can't come back because of all the smoke around this," or what was it? They like, actually, just- I they actually asked me if I wanted to come back um, because Samantha also had put a um, an EPO against me, an emergency protective order, basically uh-huh. a, a, an emergency restraining order where you don't actually have to be served or go to court to find out that you have one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if, if, if somebody is being charged in some type of criminal situation, any, anybody can get an EPO against that person, essentially, wow. yeah. right? If they're, if they're uh, cohabitating or if they're supposedly in a relationship. Yeah. So I... Um, uh, uh, I actually didn't even know that I had one um, uh, for a while, but basically they they asked me if I wanted to come back to the show, and I said, "No, I do not." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. I'm 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 done here. I, I'm really I'm really honestly done. I I need to I need to go get some help. Um, I didn't tell them that, but um, I it was it was just obvious my life was a mess. Yeah, you know, and I and I kind of just grinded along the ground for another year before I, before I gave up. Um, so, because you, you just, it's so easy, uh, as an addict to have so many, to have rationalization upon rationalization upon rationalization. It's you, you just never know when, you know, 
when when the chips are down, how you're going to tell yourself that you can get the chips back up. Yeah, right? yeah. It, it your your brain can concoct lots of things, and and as I've realized over the years being sober, I'm pretty creative. So so like it makes sense that it was very easy to like lie to myself and uh-huh. say that I'm okay. And and the sort of like joke about it is that everybody goes to rehab for for like uh, you know three days and they get some sleep and they start to feel better yeah and they wake up and they go oh fuck i am i was tripping i do not need to be here yeah, yeah, and yeah. they just walk out yeah right yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> and, and you know it's 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 testament uh to to the um the the, the veracity of of addiction yeah uh that you just never know when when that 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 side of you is gonna say i'm 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 tripping yeah, yeah I'm, I don't have a problem. Yeah, I yeah, can manage of this, of even though for years, like pretty much, because I was sober from 2005 to seven, um, and had gone the whole like treatment route thing, you know, uh, uh, which was awesome, right? And and I definitely recommend it, even though you know, treatment is for people that can pay for treatment, and recovery is for people who want to recover, essentially. Yeah. But but one does springboard to the other, and and, it, and and the reason there are so many failed attempts for so many people is just because it takes a long fucking time to come to your senses, yeah. right? That's the sad truth of it all, is that is that trying to take the shortcut leads to the long way around. Of course. Right? And and you only realize that once you're done, once you're, once you're completely tired of fooling yourself yeah. about all that. That makes sense. So how many times did you like relapse and, and sort of the journey coming forward from 2012? Oh, I mean, I, I made hundreds of half attempts, yeah. you know, and would get a few days or a few weeks or a few months. Um, but, but now that I look back on it, it's like there were really only like two good attempts, yeah. right? One was 2005 to seven and, and the second one was 2014 to now. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, um, I actually had a, a, a really awesome, uh, I mean, it was, it was terrible at the time, but moment with somebody who is uh, a friend and a, and a huge atheist, and they, I showed them my track marks and my, my scuzzed up arms and, and you know, the, the, God, I mean, just clotted blood, like, yeah. like crazy, right? And, and, and she said, you know, I, I know that you were sober before, and I don't believe in God, but, like, you know, maybe you should. Yeah, maybe if that if that time in your life of 2007, like you got your shit together, you became employable, you became responsible, you became accountable for your actions, then like maybe you should do that again. Yeah, right. And 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 that's that also kind of leads to another like adage of of recovery and sobriety, which is just that like every every alcoholic or addict is is basically just a frustrated mystic. They have a mm. sense of spirituality. They yeah. have a sense of 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 being light, joyous and free, but they don't know how to facilitate that in a normal way with their normal life. Yeah. Right? And for me now, like I understand in a, in a, it, it seems very clear and and I guess binary to a certain point that there's really only these two things that I can get high off in life. One is ritual and one is frontier. Mm-hmm. So if I'm embracing the known, then that's a ritual, yeah. right? And whether that's with a group of people at a wedding or, 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 or building a bonfire with, with friends or a family reunion or even just washing the dishes by myself, right? If I can embrace the known of what's there, I can be enriched by that. I can feel spiritual. And, I, and, and again, my definition of spiritual is like light, joyous, free. Yeah. Those are the three. And then a frontier is embracing the unknown, you know? So you're like rejecting the known and you're just, you're there for the adrenaline thrill. You're, yeah. You're, 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 you're like, here I am cosmos. Like fucking take me. And that's, 
you know, and that's one of the things too that I like about like comedy and improv, um, and really just creativity in general is you just never know what you're going to get on a specific day. Yeah. Um, which is why I had no idea what I was going to say when I walked in here. <laughs> that was great, man. <laughs> I thought we were going to talk about the fucking I know, Christmas though, but film. The, crypto, the Christmas film. <laughs> but listen, man, I, I, I want to have you back, man. Again, I, I ha- kind of have to go to have a show I got to get to very soon at the okay. Laugh Factory. It's already been like an hour and 15 Jesus. minutes. Um, yeah. It's great, though. I could talk to you about... I'm a, you know. I'm a windbag. <laughs> it's great, dude. Believe me. It's so funny. Every once in a while, I'll have, I'll have someone on the podcast who's like, I'm sorry. I'm like, that's the best when, you, as a host, you go, run. Yeah. Tell me the story. I'm sure you got like a mil- I was I was had so many questions I want to ask you about so many things. You know, like your your worst experience with this. Your worst. So let's get to where you are right now. So right yeah. now, you are, um, other than you're kind of an entrepreneur and you kind of like are involved in the in the crypto scene and that's another story maybe we we'll get to another time but like yeah. you're also scre- you're working on uh, screenplays now yeah yep and you're an actor as well now yeah and, I mean um, I've been an actor for a long time you've been just, an actor throughout just this whole not time. a successful one not a successful yeah, well, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. that's the most people yeah. right um, but uh, and so how are things looking with that are, are you do you feel like you're in a, in a groove now and do you feel like with the writing do you feel like you, you feel completely committed to this path. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I knew, I knew five years ago when I, when I started getting into meditating that I, there was just no way, there's no way I could do physical therapy forever. Like I love anatomy. I love the body. I love helping people, but, um, it was not pushing me. It was not, it was not the, the, what the, the you know, the brass ring. Yeah. Right. And so at that point I went back to school to get my master's in screenwriting and I was just like, this is it. You got to go. And so, and, and then at that point I also decided to go back to escorting sober, yeah. which has been a very different experience, much more lax. And, and to the point that we didn't even much talk to earlier, like there is, th- there is a lot more that's rewarding about it now, which sure. is like having genuine friendships with people, um, being able to help people in ways that, that they cannot help themselves. I've, I mean, I've helped people get divorced. I've helped people uh, get into therapy. I've helped people get into rehab, right? And they don't always, you know, stop harming themselves or stop doing certain things. Uh, but like, it's a process, right? Yeah. You, at least they're on the path, yeah, right. And I and I will never stop advocating for people to get into therapy because, you know, if it's not if it doesn't work after a year, it's not the right therapist for you. Yeah, like sure. you'll you should be able to trust somebody with your secrets and that somebody will will you'll eventually find freedom through that yeah yeah right i love that yeah well listen man jimmy i could talk to you forever you're, you're fucking awesome where can people find you now let's let's give the the socials for people can find you and look you up and uh you know hopefully we will be working together yeah on something that's <clears throat> not the christmas couples retreat <laughs> um yeah i mean i'm on instagram i'm on twitter you know, it's Jimmy Clabot, C L A B O T S. Just that's, that's correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, hey, man, thanks for coming by, man. It really means a lot that that we uh, got to hang out. And I would love to talk to you more. For but sure. But I have to pee and then yeah. tell some dick jokes on stage. Yeah, part two next time. All right, man. <laughs> Bye, guys.